Thank you, Brother Vaughn. Appreciated that. Beautiful song and, and a reminder to us that it is a privilege to know who Jesus is. Amen. And I hope that we see it as a privilege and not as a, a, as a reason to look down on others who don't. But let's, uh, let's tell the story. Who he is. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1. Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1. We, last week, we started a Christmas series entitled Christmas Through Their Eyes, an attempt to uh, get a perspective, maybe an emotional perspective, but a uh, help us to understand a little bit about those that were there, participated in that first Christmas. And uh, we started with Mary, and uh, I don't think anybody will be surprised that we're going to move on to Joseph this this morning. But before, I, before we get into the message, one of the things that was interesting, I, I discovered this week that uh, researchers have been doing some study into empathy, and uh, they have uh, dis- uh, discovered and that people in general feel more empathy when reading a story about a dog getting abused and beaten up than if a, an adult getting beaten up and abused. We have more empathy for our four-legged furry friends than we do for each other. And uh, I, I felt like when I read that, that it just reconfirms the, really the drought, the scarcity of empathy that we have in our culture. Where, where the the well-being of an animal holds more is more precious to us than the well-being of of a person and uh, i would i would encourage us as as people who are are part of this culture that we too can fall into those same traps because especially during this time of year, it's so easy to be so busy that we lose empathy for each other. And uh, it just reinforces to me the importance of this series, the, this, the importance of us learning how to see things through their eyes and to walk in their shoes. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 1, and we'll Pick up the reading in verse 18. We'll, we'll skip the genealogy, and some of you are probably thankful for that. And uh, we'll finish out the chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, as we endeavor to one more time step into the shoes of a man that we know so little of. We ask that you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth, but Lord, also help us to help us to see what we need to see and how we ought to live and how we ought to, to serve you. May, Lord, this not just be a time of, of just going through the routine, but may this be a time where we draw closer to you. We ask these things in your precious, perfect name. Amen. You may be seated. I read a story of a, of a church that was putting on a Christmas program. And uh, it was in the, in the evening service. And that afternoon, the mother of the boy who was to play Joseph called in. And she was pretty upset and said, we're sorry, but my son's come down with the flu. He cannot make it to the program. Now, I don't say this to scare Lorinda and Amy. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> we pray not. What do you do when it's the last minute? Moments before, that are just you know, a few hours before the show's to go on. What are, what, what's to be done? You can't, you can't get another Joseph. You can't, you, he can't memorize the lines. He can, what are you going to do? And the director made a bold decision. She simply wrote Joseph out of the story. And out of the hundreds of people who were there at the program, only a few recognized that Joseph was missing from the story. Is it because they didn't know the Christmas story well? I don't think so. I think what it is is that Joseph seems like an extra not one of the main characters. Joseph is, is, he's not a mute like Zechariah was, but he doesn't say anything. And because he doesn't say anything, I think we kind of get this idea that he just kind of stands there and lets Mary do all the hard work. She's got she's to carry this child. She's got to deliver it a barn. I mean, she's, she's the one who wraps him in swaddling clothes. I mean, jo I mean even at the t when Jesus is left at the temple, Mary's the one that's all frantic. He's just hanging out. He's the quiet one. All Mary is the one who is, has a lot to say. And so Joseph becomes... Kind of a bit part in the story. I think another reason that he becomes kind of uh, an afterthought for us is there's so little that we know about him. 
The Bible says so very little about him. We know that he is a carpenter. And, uh, you know, carpenter, the word, uh, the Greek word for carpenter there, tecton, means uh, a man who works with wood or stone or other materials. So, we, you know, uh, we're thinking, you know, sawing and stuff, but he could have worked with, with rock, stone. But basically, it sounds, uh, different ones have believed that perhaps Joseph was just the, the town's handyman. He was the guy that was called when something needed done around there. Doesn't have a, I mean, he's, he's basically just a poor laborer. He's not anybody impressive. We know a little bit about his genealogy. And that's about all we know about the guy. He's there when Jesus is left at the temple when he's 12. And then he's just simply gone. None of the gospel writers even thought to include his passing in the story. Church tradition holds that he probably died shortly after Jesus turned 12, after the, that event. But that's just church tradition. We don't know for sure. Some have speculated that perhaps the reason Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 is because he was staying and working to provide for his mom and his siblings until the others were old enough to, be, uh, to take on that responsibility. Of course, the Catholic Church believes that Jesus' siblings that were all mentioned were Joseph's from a previous wife, that Joseph had a wife before Mary, and that, that wife had passed away. Of course, they want to, of course, uh, believe, the Catholics do, that Mary always was a virgin, that, that Mary and Joseph never came together as husband and wife which I don't believe is, is biblical or correct. But Joseph just gets this bit piece. We don't know much about him. He doesn't say anything at all in Scripture. And we don't even know when he dies. Just know that he's a man who works with his hands. And as I think about Joseph this morning, and I think about trying to get in his shoes it's easy for me because I'm a man of few words. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a challenge for me. To be honest, it, in, in some ways it's really a challenge. As I, uh, I mean, I think, that, I think that poor Jesus would have gotten it double barrel if it had been Trish and I as his parents. Trish is all quiet, but she wouldn't have been in that situation. I'm pretty certain. Unless, unless I went first, then she might step back. But I mean, poor Jesus, he'd have gotten it. I'd have, I'd have been real upset about that situation. I, I'm not one that, that just sits back and, and just lets things happen. I'm the, I'm the person that's usually in the middle of it all, trying to make sure that everything goes well. But Joseph is one that... He's a character that I really feel like has so much to teach us if we just take some time to get to know him. I think about Joseph. The first thing that I think about it must have been his great disappointment. How, how do you receive the word 
that your fiance is pregnant and you know it isn't yours? How do you receive that? How do you how do you how do you take that betrayal? Now you and I know the rest of the story. And that's what the problem is, is that we know the rest of the story. But Joseph in this moment doesn't know the rest of the story. He doesn't know this is wrought of the Holy Spirit. Mary said that, I'm sure, if he gave her time to speak, and he probably did because he was quiet. But here she is, and to think about it, she's betrayed him, and, and in his mind, blaspheming. Blaspheming. She is trying it, to cover up her sin and her betrayal by saying that God did it. This is serious. Not only could she be stoned for her adultery, for her affair, because they were engaged, and so therefore in their culture, that was, his, that was an affair. She also could be stoned for blasphemy. She's committed two capital crimes. In order for us to even grasp that, we have to, the only capital crime in, in, in America is murder. We have to imagine a person who's committed double homicide and them coming to us and saying, hey, we still want to get married. Can you imagine, now most of you are married, can you imagine if your son or daughter came home and said, yeah, this double a homicide uh, 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 murderer over here, uh, we're getting married. I think you would have a problem with that. I guess we all have some nightmare scenarios that run through our heads about who our kids could marry. That is not one of them that I have considered until just now. <laughs> and I know you say, wait, wait, she wasn't committing murder. She was committing a capital offense. In, in, in the mind of the Jewish people of that day, she has committed what to us is, would consider murder. That was that, such a heavy of a crime. And he goes home. Did he tell his parents? He doesn't talk much. We don't know. Maybe. But I think he cried himself to sleep that night. I really do. I think he wept. The quiet people I know seem to ha have tears that flow pretty easy. You know, I, as I was reading this, I noticed something that's missing from, from the story that I've always assumed was there. And that was that the angel came the same night that, Jesus, uh, that uh, Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy. But it doesn't say that it was the same day. And you know, oftentimes when we go through battles and when we go through situations, God doesn't answer us the same day. I wonder how long Joseph was pondering and trying to decide what he was going to do. 
You say, why would God wait? Why, would, why wouldn't God tell him that night? Maybe he, God wanted to see how Joseph is going to respond to this. I think it's important that, that uh, an important clue that uh, Matthew includes in this, that Joseph was not callous to Mary, but simply was going to take the proper procedures to separate himself from her because if she's unfaithful now, she'll be unfaithful when she gets married. And young people, you should hear that. They're unfaithful before you get married. They'll be unfaithful after you get married. I have some older ones that are shaking their heads, and I appreciate that. Younger people, I hope you'll catch that. Joseph is going to make the proper is going to go through the proper procedures in order to, to end the, their engagement. It has to be legally done. But he's not going to have her stoned, and she's committed two capital crimes in his mind. And I wonder, I wonder this morning if God was waiting to see how Joseph would respond in the time of trial. And it just seems to me that it's a possibility. I'm not saying it is, but I believe it's a possibility that there were some days and perhaps even a couple of weeks, perhaps, that took place between when Mary told Joseph what was going on and when Joseph received his answer in, the, in a dream. And I know some of us here this, this morning are facing some disappointments. We're facing some hard things. We're facing some trials of our faith and times of our, that we've been pushed to our limits. And God hasn't answered right away. I want you to know this morning that God may not have answered you as soon as you wanted him to, but the answer is still on the way. The answer is still on the way. And Joseph provides for us an example of when we're going through the, the times uh, where we're, we're confused and we don't understand and God doesn't make sense and, and people have disappointed us, that we need to hold true and hold steady. Mary had to have been some special girl for God to have picked her. And Joseph saw it and recognized it. And I wonder if, if perhaps she was a spiritual hero to him. And here she has not just devastated that, but I mean, he, she's just gone as far in the opposite direction of spirituality as possible in his mind. And folks, there's going to be spiritual heroes of ours that will fall. I hope that it never happens to you, but, but let's be honest. We've all experienced people that we had our confidence in, we trusted in them, and they've disappointed us. And people have walked away from the faith because others that were heroes had disappointed them, but not Joseph. Not Joseph. When the people closest to him and, and the, uh, the people that, that, that he uh, uh, leaned on for strength disappointed him, he held strong to his faith. I wish, I wish that we, none of you would ever have to experience that disappointment. But it seems like it's part of the journey for so many. And probably 
most of the adults here, if not all of the adults, could stand up and say, there was that one person that really, when they fell, just about turned my world upside down. I'm thankful we don't have to give up just because someone we have confidence in has gone astray. And we can have disappointments and we can have reverses, but we will hold true. We will hold true. Joseph. Joseph said, I'm going to serve God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what others do, regardless of the people that I have confidence in do, regardless of, of what others would tell me I should do, I'm going to keep minding God. I'm going to keep trusting Him. And even if He doesn't speak as quickly as I want Him to, I know He will speak in when it, the time is right. Joseph held on when his world was upside down. We know the story. The angel comes in a dream. See, only one in the Christmas story who gets the dream of the angel. Everybody else gets the actual angel showing up. I think that's a testimony to Joseph's faith in God. I really do. He could have woke up and said, well, I should quit. I, I, I got to be careful about getting pizza before bed. <laughs> you know, I think if I'd have woke up after that, you know what, I think what I would have said to myself, I'd have said, man, is that the Lord? Or, or, or is that just what I wished would be true? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, man, it was a vivid dream. I mean, it was, man, it was a good dream, but man. I'll just be honest with you. I don't put much stock in dreams. And I know God does speak through, in dreams, and, I, and I, would ha I guess I'd have to have the Holy Spirit seal it to my heart that I better put some stock in it because... I don't, think I'd, uh, I don't think if I were Joseph that I'd be too uh, keen on following uh, a dream of an angel giving me instruction. But I really believe this is testimony to Joseph's faith. He believed God. And he didn't need an angel to show up in the flesh, so to speak. He just needed to know what God wanted him to do. You know... We talked about Joseph's disappointments, but I, I truly believe that, that one of the things that sets Joseph aside and is the hero of our faith is the fact that he followed his duty. You know, duty is a dirty word in our culture. I mean, you can, get, you can get away with saying some pretty bad swear words before you can get away with saying the word duty anymore. They advise us as preachers that we ought not to use the words ought and should anymore. We should not, you should. <laughs> they don't want us to anymore to be talking about Christian duty and Christian uh, uh, expectations. 
They want us to get away from obligation in the church. They, they want us to get closer to, you know, an invitation. And, and you know, I, I see what they say and I understand what they mean. And, and, I, and I'm not one that likes to hammer on duty. But you know, duty is something that's beautiful when it's carried out. There was a time that, that the word duty went side by side with the word honor. There was a time that, that, a, that a man who, who received a, a letter who said that he was going to have to go into the war. And he didn't want to go. He didn't want to leave his, his wife. And he didn't want to leave his parents. He didn't want to leave his family. But he got a letter. And he said, I have a duty to my country. And he was a man of honor, whether he wanted to go or not. We used to look up to people like that. When soldiers would, would uh, be in parade, we would give them honor and we would respect them because they were men of duty. They had fulfilled where they have been called by their country and they had followed that call. Duty used to be a, a, a word that was valued and honored. It's a word that, that, that is used even in Scripture. Paul says it like this your reasonable service duty tells us to endure hardness as a soldier over and over throughout the new testament if you will look for it you will see there is a call to the christian to be a man or woman of duty and i know it's easier to do something we want to do than it is to do something we have to do we live in a time where we're controlled by what we feel like. I don't feel like eating healthy today, so I'm just going to eat junk food. I don't feel like going to school today, so I'm not going to go. I don't feel like going into work today. I'm just going to call in sick, whether I'm sick or not. We, we've, gotten away, we've gotten away from the word duty until we've gotten so far the other way where we've gone by what I feel like controls our behavior. It's contributing to the downfall of our culture and our country. It's contributing. 30% of men in their 20s don't hold jobs. They live with their parents and they play video games. They don't know anything about duty. Oh, they know the game Call of Duty. <laughs> but they don't know duty. They live in an imaginary world killing imaginary enemies. Instead of living in a real world, providing for a real family. You know, there was a time that I thought love was feelings and, you know, starry-eyed and gazing into her eyes and getting lost. There came a time when I realized that, that love was getting up early and going to work. A job I didn't like. 
and a boss I liked even less. That it meant handing my check over to my wife so she could buy groceries and pay the electric bill and the heat bill, put food on the table for the family, clothes for the kids. And at the end of the paycheck, there wasn't anything left for toys for dad. It was a time that I learned that love really was spelled D-U-T-Y. Not that it was that I didn't want to do it, but what I had to do, I didn't want to do. And some of you know what I'm talking about. The choices to do what was necessary rather than doing what we would have preferred to do. And that's how we spell love. And some of you had parents who probably didn't know how to say I love you very well, especially the men. Some of you had dads that, that they weren't maybe physically affectionate. But when it came to duty, they showed over and over and over how much they loved you growing up. I'm not saying we should go back to those times. I think dads ought to be able to give a hug, and, a, and I think a dad ought to say that he loves his kids. But I also think that we ought not to lose the word duty in the process. We live in a time when men father children, and they don't, they don't stay, stick around and do their duty by their children and by the woman that they've been with. And here's Joseph, who stands in the opposite Perfect contrast. It's not his child, and yet he's going to raise him. It's not his responsibility, and yet he, God's called him to it, and he says, I'm going to do it anyways. God's called me. It doesn't matter whether it's my duty is what others would say. It doesn't matter what, what, what my parents think, and it doesn't matter what the neighbors think, and it doesn't matter or what, what, what uh, my, my friends want me to do. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because God's called me to it. And if there's ever a reason that Joseph needs to be a part of the story is because he calls you and me, whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, to our duty as Christians. There is some oughts and there are some shoulds of God's word. There are some oughts and shoulds of living in this world. And one of them is, is we take responsibility for the blessings that God's given us. And Joseph probably didn't feel like making a trip to Bethlehem to pay his taxes. And he probably certainly didn't want to take along a woman who was, was great with child. We don't even like to take long car trips when they're that far along in pregnancy. He probably didn't feel like, like going and living in Egypt for a while with people he didn't know. He didn't probably feel like being hunted by a wicked king. He probably didn't feel like starting over in a new uh, a place, a new country in Egypt and trying to start his business all over again. 
There's probably a lot of times in the story that he didn't feel like doing what he was called to do. And yet you don't ever find him complaining. You never find him putting on the brakes. You never have him stopping and saying, you know, I, I, I just don't like it. I, I'm just going to moan and groan and complain and boohoo about it. If ever there was a soldier for Christ, it was Joseph. Who said, I will do my duty. I will do what God has asked me to do. Whether I get credit or not. Whether I'm ever recognized for it or not. Whether anybody cares that I do my duty or not. I'm just going to do what God wants me to do and I'll let God take care of the rest. And oh, people, that we would get a hold of that this morning. That we would become people that will do what God wants us to do even when we don't feel like it. I hope feelings come. I hope the want to comes. I remember as a child there were times that my parents would say to me, Jeremy, do such and such. And I'd say, I don't want to do that. And you know they'd say, I don't care what you want to do. Do it. <laughs> Big old meanies. <laughs> and you know what? I've said the same thing. Can you believe it? I don't care what you want to do. Go in there and take the shower. Go in there and, uh, and clean up your room. Go in there and, uh, and, and fix, fix up your bed. Whatever it is. I don't care what you want. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. I've told you to do it. That's right. And folks, if we can follow the words of a man, how much more ought we ought to follow the commands of our God? I hope we feel like it. I, 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 man, I'd love it if my kids would just make their beds and clean up their rooms because they want to. But whether they want to or not, they still have to do it. And whether you feel like coming to church on a Sunday morning or whether you feel like putting your hand up in the air or if the Lord would tell you to get out in the aisle, just put your hand up and take a walk. If God would say that to you, you'd just do it whether you felt like it or not. Or talk to your neighbor or the person, your coworker, or whatever it is. Start up a song. I don't know. Teach at the Bible school. No, you come to Altamont. <laughs> Oh, that God would help us to get a hold of what Joseph got a hold of. But whether I want to or don't want to, what God says, I will do. Now, I don't need to take a poll, and I don't need to find out if, if the priest is happy with it or, 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 or the synagogue teacher or whether my parents are approve of it. When I know what God wants me to do, I'm going to do it regardless of what it cost me. I don't believe Joseph had an easy life. And Joseph didn't get to see Jesus grow up to be the great teacher and healer. 
And I wonder if Joseph died with a lot of question marks. But whatever his life was and whatever question marks he, he ended up having, he could lay his head down for the final time knowing he had completely done the will of God as far as he knew it. And folks, what better testimony could we leave our children that when they have laid us down in that box for the last time and they've lowered our bodies into the ground, that our children could testify that mom, that dad, as far as, as they knew, they did the will of God. Even when it was inconvenient and when it cost them something. Even when it was unpopular. Even when everybody else said, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to live that way any longer. Mom and dad were people of duty and honor. That's the testimony I want to leave behind. That's what I want him to say at my funeral. As far as he knew, every word that came out of God's mouth, he was obedient to. Not just when he felt like it. But even when he didn't, he left a great testimony without ever saying a word, without ever saying a word in all his scripture, he left a great testimony. Talked about his disappointments and we talked about his duty, but I want, I want to finish with his delight. You know... Joseph's often forgotten. Got a new CD, a Christmas CD by a Christian group. I think there's 12 songs on there. I didn't count how many times Mary was mentioned on the, on, in the song list. These are all sacred songs. I had to listen to it several times before I caught that Joseph was mentioned one time, and that is that he was married, uh, that he was uh, engaged to Mary, and that is all the credit he got in all of the Christian, uh, Christian Christmas songs on the CD. He got one mention, and you know, probably the, one of the greatest Christmas songs written in our lifetime is "Mary, Did You Know." And it's a beautiful song. It's a, it's a, it's, it, it is probably the greatest Christmas song written in our lifetime. I guess that could be argued. But all of those things that, are, that Mark Lowry wrote in that song is true for Joseph as well. It could have easily have been written, Joseph, did you know? And so, all of those things, except for the part of delivering him, I guess Joseph didn't deliver. But almost the entirety of the song could have been spoken of Joseph. I thought about, as a dad... Joseph put his, probably put his little finger down and that little baby gets a hold of it. You know how they do. 
as Joseph is, is there having his finger being held tightly by that precious little baby. He doesn't know that one day that that same hand is going to cling to two rusty nails for our sins. I thought about how perhaps Jesus was a little fussy. Mary was tired, and he, so he picks up the baby and he begins to pat his little back, trying to soothe the, that little guy that with so much wonder. He doesn't know that one day that same back will be ripped and torn by cruel Roman rip, uh, whips for yours and my healing. Thought about as he rocked backwards and forth, rocking that, that little guy, trying to help the baby to get to sleep. He probably doesn't understand that he's rocking the rock of ages. And that the host of earth and hell would endeavor to shake him, but none, he would not be moved. But Joseph, but Joseph could rock him. I wonder as he counted those little toes and held on to those little feet if he knew that those feet would walk on water and that they would walk a path to heaven for us. Joseph was a carpenter. I wonder how many doors he made. And yet on that day, he held the door of heaven in his arms. He was there when Jesus drove his first nail and sawed his first piece of wood. He was there perhaps for his first word, for his first steps. You know, I spoke of duty, but when you have love, duty becomes delight. Whether you die for our country, you do it because you love this country. When you go out, get up in the morning to go to a job that you don't like so you can have food on the table for your kids and they can have a few presents under a Christmas tree, easier because you love them and it becomes a delight and all that Joseph faced and all the disappointments and all the, the detours that he faced he had many delights he probably didn't understand them all he probably he probably was confused sometimes. I'm sure that day at the temple, he was pretty confused. And I'm sure there was times of sorrow, especially as Jesus said that he had to do the will of his father. I wonder if it stung Joseph a little bit to be reminded that Jesus wasn't really his. You know, a stepfather who's raised him from a baby sees him, they ought to at least see them as their own. I wonder if those words stung a little bit. 
And yet I think his heart beamed with pride as he saw those scribes and those smart people of the temple being befuddled by a child, his child. The Christian walk is, has disappointments. And there are times that duty calls. But it's not just one-sided, folks. There's a joy in serving Jesus. There's joy. You know, the world talks about their pleasures, but they don't talk about joy. Their pleasures are for a season, and then they wake up with regrets and sorrows. Their, their parties are fun for the moment, and they woke, wake up in the morning vomiting and <clears throat> headaches and miserable. They can't remember what foolish things they did the night before. And some of them do remember and wish they could forget. They don't know anything about joy. Just pleasure. But they have to run from one to the other to dull their pain. And while the Christian talks of disappointments and duty, there's great delight in this way. And as I think about Joseph, in a lot of ways, he shows us what it is to walk this pilgrim pathway. The Lord speaks, we're obedient, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we're disappointed. You know, I think about many times that God has spoken to me and I've grumbled and complained even while I know that God has only my good in mind, even though I know what, what His way is best, I'm grumbling and complaining in the midst of it. And I just hang my head in shame as I think about how Joseph just stayed the course, trusting God was going to use it for His glory. And so while it's easy to write Joseph out of the Christmas story, I'd suggest to you and to me this morning that we need more Josephs. People who may not get a lot of credit and may not be people that we would point out as the heroes, but people who quietly face disappointments and quietly endure duties that may be difficult and hard, but they find joy in the journey. May God help us, each one, to follow in the path that Joseph trod, to get in his sandals, and to be faithful when it's unpopular, when it's difficult. If we can do that, I believe we'll leave behind a precious testimony. Let's stand together. Amen. Wes, would you dismiss us in prayer?